This is Thinkscape, where parents, teachers, and leaders share how the books they read shape the children they love, their interests, I wish I could go to. What, Dad, too? Their understanding. What? Africa is connected to Asia? Those are the springs for the batteries. Their values. Curiosity. <laughs> Laughter. Helping others. Thinking through stories. I'm Rachel Paget. Books build understanding and can act as a catalyst for broader discussion. And that's true whether you read to a six-month-old or recommend books to teens about to head off to college. This podcast is a way to explore how reading, what we read, how we read, and the conversations and actions that follow can build thoughtful, knowledgeable people. Each episode, I reach out to experts in a specific field and ask them what ideas and values they hope reach and inspire future generations. Thinkscape. Thinking through stories. Today, cultivating a love of nature, which can sometimes be hard when you hear more cars honking than birds chirping. Just living in cities, it's very easy to uh, stop knowing that nature because life gets busy and there's school and there's work and there's all these things taking us away from nature. That's Shanti Hodges. In 2013, soon after her son Mason was born, Shanti was looking to connect with other parents. I was attending new mama groups and I just sort of found everything was kind of inside and really mama-centric. And I wanted to find a way to just uh, open that up so I could meet people outside on trails, but the traditional ways in the U.S. or um, are things like Craigslist and Meetup and just none of those really felt right with a baby. So I built it. <laughs> What she built, the nonprofit Hike It Baby, turned into a vibrant international movement, getting families out into the woods. And, as the Hike It Baby slogan says, changing your world one little hike at a time. I see so many families changing from joining Hike It Baby, and um, we do this thing called the Hike It Baby 30, which is a challenge to get out 30 miles in 30 days. And I can't tell you how many. Uh, people. I mean, they, they say that a, a habit really forms if you do it 30 days in a row. And I can't tell you how many families have called us and emailed and said, oh my God, you know, I never thought I could get to 30 miles. And all of a sudden I'm at 42, I'm at 50, I'm at 60, I'm at 100. Um, and just seeing that, seeing people just, just being outside, um, how that changes the family makeup. They'll definitely talk about how their Saturday habit used to be turning on a movie and plunking down for the day and watching movies. And now it's get up quickly and get to get out and go do a hike really fast before your day starts. There's a little forested area near my daughter's elementary and I call it greenwashing. And we sometimes just dip into the little forested area before we head to school. And I think that it really sets her up for a better day. That's really true. And I know for my husband and I, when we're just really kind of grumpy and cranky at each other, we just go for a hike and, you know, instantly we can talk more freely with each other. And, you know, we just see Mason just being so happy. And then suddenly it can lift us from being in a bad mood with each other to like, oh, you know what, look at this. We have a great life. We have a great child. We have this amazing moment that we're experiencing together. 
Since Shanti founded the group in the Pacific Northwest, those amazing moments often happen under gray skies. When Mason was, it was about October, I think he was, you know, five months old, four months old. And I, I posted a hike that I was going to go do uh, in Tryon Creek and a huge storm was coming and like they were predicting hail and I'm like, well, I'll just go. And even if I'm alone, you know, maybe it'll be good for me and I can go stand under the shelter and maybe just sit there for a while with Mason. And there's a nature center and I got there. And 14 women showed up with their babies. Brand, a lot of people had really brand new babies. Mason, you know, is only a couple months old. And, and we all hiked through a hailstorm and it was a blast. And I just, you know, some people weren't as well equipped and, you know, people were sharing clothes and, and just helping dress each other. And it was just such a great moment when I realized we, we just felt so bonded together and it was so much fun. And of course, at the end, the sky broke and the sun shine, was shining through. Wow, that was amazing. That image, mothers braving a storm on the trail, flips the notion that dads and older kids are usually the ones venturing outdoors. The idea of giving people confidence to explore brings us to the first book she chose to discuss. You never know what you'll run into in the wild, but I say I'm an explorer. And explorers are prepared for anything. anything. So I climb over trees and I roll down hills and I run and I run and I run until one day I run right into a bear. I was so scared. I mean, I was really scared. Explorers of the Wild by Kale Atkinson was an adorable story of friendship. It struck me that it was similar to the video that Hike It Baby did called The First Hike. And it was this mother thinking about whether she had packed the right gear and she just kept almost second guessing herself at every turn. What do people think if I need to nurse him while I'm out there? I'm gonna have to shower after this. Wait, when was the last time I took a shower? I hope he takes a nap. And then she arrived and she didn't know it, but everyone else was also kind of sharing these anxieties. By the end of it, everyone's just in nature and connecting. I'm glad we got outside today. Can you speak to how nature is a great unifier and how this story, Explorers of the Wild, kind of mirrors real life? I think that right now in society, you know, we don't have necessarily, we can control our environments very much and we don't even have to come across people we don't want to come across necessarily. But nature is different. Like with Explorers of the Wild, what I like about it is, you know, you have this boy and you have this bear and they're both in a space that really they can both be a part of equally. I mean, the bear obviously lives more in the woods, um, but they're out there. And then, you know, nature is a neutral space. You know, if it's going to rain on a boy or it's going to rain on the bear, it's rain is going to happen. There's no one that has a leg up, you know, man, does not have a leg up on animals in nature and nor on each other. And, and that's one thing that I love when I come to the trail and especially with Hike It Baby because it's so volunteer based and you have no idea who's gonna show up. Um, you don't know who, you know, if you're gonna have anything in common with the person showing up, but it doesn't really matter once you're all out there because you're just exploring. And, and a lot of the stuff that sort of 
may trouble us from day to day just disappears and you don't feel it and, and people really do focus on the moment a lot more. So that's why it's, it's just, it's great getting out there with, with all kinds of families and, and uh, exploring the woods. Together we found things to touch, things to see, things to hear, and even things to taste. What did he eat? What do you think of eating slugs? Um, it's and they're slimy. I really loved how the pictures, they kind of gave little hints on how to interact with nature. Stop and look at this covey of quails or lift the log and see what's under there. No discovery was too small to share. No mountain was too big to conquer. This was our day. This was our adventure. We were kings of the wild. Have you been surprised at what, what? Mason takes from books and certain ideas that follow him into nature, I guess. The reverse as well. Things that he brings from nature back to bedtime or story time. It's funny. We have some other books we read um, like that one. We have an owl book and he's always like, mommy, I see owls. I know owls. I hear owls. Owl. You know, and so it's really cool when he does bring nature back to the books. But on the flip side, um, you know, like in that Explorers of the Wild, he actually licked a slug once. And so that's always like a point when he'll stop in the book and he's like, I licked that slug. <laughs> and so it's really fun to see the ways uh, he does recognize um, books will read him doing those actions on trail himself. And then the other thing is like, we really love, we're going on a bear hunt and he sings that to me all the time on trail. And he'll be like, you know, mommy, what are we doing now? We're going through mud puddles, squish, 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 mommy, we're going through the grass, swishy, 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 you know, and he loves to read that book with me on like, or do we like to recite that book and sing that book on trail? So it's, it's really fun to be able to take books in your head and, and take them with you and sing them and talk about them on the trail too. So yeah, it's funny. I don't even realize how much we have incorporated books into our trail time and vice versa. On days you can't make it to a park or trail, getting outside can take some creativity, but not always a lot of effort. Some days he'll just be super cranky and bedtime is coming and we just hoist him onto our back and head out and go walking, even if it's his bedtime, even if this means we might miss his bath and it just adjusts his mood. So, you know, I really like to encourage people to do everything they would do, whether it's, you know, preparing for bedtime in the backyard and we have a, we would throw plastic tubs out in the backyard, like um, storage tubs and fill it with water and dump mason in that and you know I just think that there's so much you can do in your life outside but we you know we tend to get really caught into oh this schedule and that schedule and a nap here and a nap there I mean that's the most common I get from people like oh you have to you know I have to nap my kid at this time and and I'm like well you know you can actually nap them on the way in a car and then get to an outside space or you can try and hike right at their nap and they'll most likely fall asleep on you. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to adjust. Um, so I, I just encourage people to try and explore doing the things you expect to do inside, outside. It can make a big difference in your life. And that means relocating story time too. I really like to have Mason outside whenever. So in the middle of the summer, we'll just go sit in our backyard and read books. Naturally, the subject of choice won't surprise anyone. We have a polar bear book. He'll read all about polar bears and penguins and you know, wolves and caribou and, and bald eagles. Every book we read every night, almost every book has a nature base. And I don't even think I consciously did that. It was very unconscious, but he loves it. I mean, he's really, he, he can name more animals than he can cartoon characters. 
The second book you selected was Listen, Listen by Phyllis Gershader. And I really loved how it forced you to slow down and observe and appreciate the small details within nature and on each page that were happening. But it was also so much fun. It had automatopias and it had humorous illustrations. Can you talk about why Mason gravitates toward that book and why that book is such an excellent resource for helping really, really solidify his understanding of the natural world. That one's really more the one I like because I love that it has seasons and to be able to show Mason different seasons, but also I think that the artwork in it is really, really beautiful. And I like the crackly painting feel to it. And so, you know, that's one I got when he was really young because I, uh, my sister actually had it. She's like, oh, I don't know if I love this book that much. And I was like, you know, she wasn't as thrilled about it. And I was like, I love this book. This is a great book. You know, I really, I think that the combination of the seasons and the art is what did it for me. And Mason still really likes that book. Do you journey through books the way you journey through the woods? Do you let Mason mostly take the lead on things? And um, why is the way that you do it, why is that important? We have a lot of animal books that he likes to read and a lot of books that are very simple with the words and pop-up pictures of animals. And he has learned each of these animals' names and you know, I'll have him read the book to me. And that's so much fun because it's, it's really exciting when I realize like how many words he has. I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. He's three and a half and he knows all these animals in all these places. The last one you selected, A is for animals. It's actually a 3D pop-up with individual letters and each letter is represented by an animal that emerges. And the action of having the child flip the cover of each letter reveals the animal and then they kind of set it into motion and like the zebra is initially covering the sun and you lift the flap and then the zebra comes up and you can see the sun in the background. It was really beautiful. I really like that book because um, Mason always is like, no, mommy, I do it. I do it. He really wants to, he loves the pop-up of it and he wants to turn the pages and he wants to tell me about each animal. Um, and then there's some really interesting exotic animals in there, like a narwhal. And that's like a new favorite of his. He's always like, mommy, the narwhal, the narwhal. I love narwhals. And so it's, it's a great book because it really does have exotic, which, you know, our animals, you know, some animals we probably will never get to see or Mason will never get to see in his lifetime. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, who knows, because um, they're far away. Um, but it's also really great because it does make him very curious. And I think just the combination of the colors, the pop-ups, and just the ability like he can go through and actually learn the alphabet with it is why I really like that one. For Shanti, reading books that connect us with the environment and getting this generation outside is about more than just enriching young minds. It's a hope that each child will take action to protect what they love. I think in the current state of what's happening in the world, um, we have some serious climate issues. Um, we are seeing, you know, snow melting at a more rapid rate than ever before. And it's really critical at this point that our children really do understand that it's going to be up to them. I mean, it's up to us too, but in a way, you know, I'm 45 years old and, you know, there's not much more I'm going to be able to do. I'm not going to have the power and, um, and you know, he is. And so it's really important that kids understand that this could go away if we don't start being a lot more conscious about it. 
teaching children that not to fear nature, not to fear the outdoors and animals and storms. I mean, my son loves looking at pictures of storms and he wants to know all about storms and how, you know, why that tree fell. And when we walk through the woods, we talk about how big storms come and trees fall and it helps open up light and, you know, new trees grow in their place. Huge tree. Yeah, years ago. Years ago. I mean, that's such an old tree. I don't even know. You know, it, these are these are important things for a child to right begin to understand yeah. at birth, so that they can start oh, yeah. talking. You can talk with them about these really uh, serious things that are happening on our planet um, without scaring the them. You know, without starting it as a fear thing, but starting it as a as an educational thing, down. like knowing that nature. Uh, you know what what nature is and what's happening with it and our impact and then the other trees grow yeah what's your favorite animal in the forest i like all the animals in the forest you do you love animals huh Shanti Hodges, founder of Hike It Baby, which has helped more than 160,000 families find their way onto the trails. Find your chapter at hikeitbaby.com. That walk through the woods, a young child learning about his world, feels like a good segue to our next guest. We begin as observers, and as our lives progress, we become actors, decision makers, where we not only get to walk along a path, but begin to chart it as well. My name is Rena Payan. I'm the program manager for Youth Outside. More specifically, I run a program for young adults called the Outdoor Educators Institute, a program for young adults, primarily of color, or young adults who have had experience with poverty, who would like to become outdoor or environmental educators, but may not have access to the trainings or resources um, that would make them a strong candidate in the the job pool. Um, And so we provide free of charge for the participants a series of trainings over the course of three months for them to learn how to do anything from um, rock climb, backpack, sea kayak, to uh, thinking critically about uh, gender in the outdoors, thinking critically about uh, culture in the outdoors and how to integrate um, difference and how to celebrate difference in outdoor setting. In addition to training individuals to become leaders, Youth Outside provides funding to groups like Brown Girls Surf, Bay Area Wilderness Training, and The Mosaic Project. Can you talk about Youth Outside's mission to connect the next generation with society at large and their own sense of self as well as nature? Our goal at Youth Outside is to ensure that young people know that they have a place in not just conservation, but enjoyment of outdoor spaces, Um, that they see themselves reflected in these outdoor spaces, that they see their histories and their stories as part and integral to uh, the preservation and the maintenance of these outdoor spaces. Um, And so we do a lot of work specifically at the intersection of the outdoors and identity. Seeing ourselves in nature, feeling like we're a part of it and responsible for it, is a big part of why Rena chose Bless Me Ultima 
for today's discussion. There are a million beautifully written books that focus on nature、um, and that focus on some of these other themes. You know, we have the Walt Whitmans of the world, we have the、um, the Ed Abbeys of the world, and what we see is that、uh, kind of the the ultimate or the apex of、uh, Of outdoor nature writing are usually centered on a narrative、uh, that doesn't look like me, right? That is uh, very uh, rugged and masculine and individualistic.、Um, that、uh, can tell stories of people who really struck out on their own、um, and made it against all the odds out in nature. That did it in an isolated way. And、um, what I love about Bless Me Ultima and why I think it's important to think about the the Way that we view nature and the way that we view stories about nature is that people have different relationships、um, than what we might、uh, understand them to be. And Bless Me Ultima tells the relationship of this family、uh, and, and the young protagonist of it interacting with nature, living out on the llano, and and being part of this natural environment, which is not. Uh, a way that people normally think of the outdoors, and so、uh, I think that it's important that when we talk about、uh, including literature to、uh, increase the connection of young people to the outdoors, that we also try and include literature that. Uh, represents uh, their identities that we try and include、uh, a view of the natural world that is not rooted in that、um, in that rugged individualism all the time, but maybe also rooted in、uh, the values of connection and rooted in the value of community and family、um, and in uh, the whole. Uh, individual, the whole protagonist, and not just this one aspect of their identity.、Um, and so, I, I think that、um, seeking out different stories, seeking out different perspectives、um, in how people interact with and engage nature, is crucial to ensuring that young people feel connected to the natural world. Knowing where your story lies within the greater universe is a really strong theme with Bless Me Ultima. It. You know, it talks about faith. It talks about this little boy growing up. When we talk about Bless Me Ultima, how can the books that we choose to read support those ideas about us in the bigger picture and us in nature? Yeah, I think that the first step is choosing books that that you can think critically with, right? Books that you're not just taking at fast. Face value things that aren't just feeding you information, but rather are are begging you to ask questions of them. I love about Bless Me Ultima that、uh, there's a lot of、um, symbolism within the book.、Uh, the symbolism of these great nature icons like owls and like the desert, and so you. You want to know more about the owls in the desert as an entity, but you also want to know more about what does it mean to be an owl? What does it mean to be the desert?、Uh, when you give them human attributes, what does it say about them as a character, right? And what and how does that relate to the real natural world when you go out into it? And so, I think that literature is a great way to dig deeply. Into these outdoor bases, dig deeply into、uh, into nature, and start asking questions about what it means to be connected to it. When you're outdoors with young people, a lot of times they have a different perspective about just about everything than adults do. What surprises you about watching young people when they are immersed in the natural world? 
Oh man, there are so many things that have surprised me. I am fortunate enough to have taught outdoor education to fifth and sixth graders for, for almost a decade. Um, I've worked with uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers and backpacking trips. And I've had the great fortune of, of taking a lot of babies uh, into, into the outdoors with their families. And so it never ceases to amaze me the, the different things that they notice um, and what the outdoors uh, do for them at that, those different stages of development, right? When children are very, very young and I take them into the outdoors, um, they are looking at the tiniest things, and um, they're looking at that leaf that's fallen off the tree. They're looking at uh, the makeup of the granite. And, you know, they're on all, uh, all fours, hands and knees, looking at this granite stone, um, looking at the, the mica that's within it, the, looking at the different sand particles in it. Um, and so I think when children are very young, I'm always amazed at how observant they are of the small things. And I'm always so appreciative to be reminded of the value of the small, small things, um, because those small things are, are what make up the bigger picture, right? They get bigger. Um, when children are in high school and middle school, I am always so surprised at how um, they start to view themselves as that small thing. Right. They uh, they are no longer looking at that leaf or that ant, the small thing. They are looking at themselves and really noticing that in this big world, in this big outdoor environment, they are so small um, and that and being so small uh, that they are dependent on and connected to something so much bigger. One of my favorite memories is I took a group of high schoolers backpacking um, uh, at Point Reyes, and they were all sitting on this log at the beach um, at night, and the stars were out, and we had a small campfire on the beach. They're all sitting on this log, and I'm sitting behind them off trying to give them a little bit of space, but I'm hearing what they're talking about, and what they're talking about is how long the stars have been in that sky, how long this world has existed before them, how long it will exist after them, and how they want to know where their story lies in that history, right? And so at that, at that age, I'm always so surprised at how, um, how aware they become of themselves through the outdoors. Rudolfo Anaya built a symbol of that nature-society dichotomy right into his setting. I asked Rina to read an excerpt, but that stark divide between nature and urban life presented itself at a strangely appropriate time. Uh, One second, uh, yeah. can you wait until that siren passes? <laughs> I was just hearing it like, oh no, this is not a nature sound. <laughs> Here's Rena with that quote, those sirens interrupted. So nature as a refuge um, is a really important theme to me. Um, as an individual, nature is where I always go back to. I spoke earlier about nature as family. Nature for me is is a big part of my family, not just the composition of my family, because that's where we spend time, but it's almost a, a, its own family member that I have to, I have to navigate um, on a daily basis. So the two light posts of the bridge were a welcome sight. They signaled the dividing line between the turbulence of the town and its sins and the quiet peace of the hills of the Llano. Nature is a refuge, yes, but Bless Me Ultima also depicts the folly of not heeding nature's warnings. Take this quote, for instance. The greedy men overgrazed their ranches, and so now the wind picks up the barren soil and throws it in their faces. You have used me too much, 
the wind says, for the earth, you have sucked me dry and stripped me bare. There couldn't be a more timely thought. We all rely on the earth to sustain ourselves. And in that way, we're, we're connected to something much, much bigger than ourselves. And that if we don't start listening, then those impacts are going to, going to become increasingly more negative. Um, and that we are going to continue to witness um, devastated wild places that are then devastating the, the urban areas and areas around California um, that spread to, uh, to more urban areas. Um, you know, all of those are rooted in the idea of, of drought and famine, right? Uh, California has been in a drought for the last decade uh, and, uh, and we continue to spend uh, the valuable and precious um, water that we have on things that, that maybe we shouldn't, right? But that means that we as a collective, as a community in California and the community of this nation need to um, become stronger advocates for the conservation of water, for the conservation and maintenance of natural spaces so that this doesn't happen again. Thank you, Rena, for recommending Bless Me Ultima for your thoughtful discussion on how we can use stories to see ourselves in nature and for your work with Youth Outside, making the outdoors a more inclusive place to be. Youth Outside begins accepting applications for its Outdoor Educators Institute in May. Author's Note For our first Author's Note segment, I chose the picture book Finding Wild, which describes how the natural world varies from fragile to unconquerable and can contribute to our healing and pain. I asked author Megan Wagner-Lloyd how parents can use small moments in nature to help prepare children for the spectrum of larger feelings and experiences they might encounter over a lifetime. I think one of the best ways we can use our time in nature to help our kids prepare for the future is to simply relax and enjoy our shared outdoor experiences. As our lives and our kids' lives have become more and more fragmented and stressed by the constant presence of technology and the endless news cycle, Building the habit of turning to nature for solace and rejuvenation is an incredible gift we can give our kids. When we're enjoying watching a hummingbird and appreciating the beauty of its iridescence, for example, we're teaching our children through this shared experience how to set aside worries about tomorrow, slow down, and fully appreciate the present, an invaluable life skill. I've always loved how smells can capture a memory. The smell of fresh mint takes me right back to being a kid and looking for bugs by the big pot of mint in our backyard. And the dry, dusty, sagebrush scent of the desert reminds me of going camping in the southwest with my dad and seeing more stars than I'd ever been able to see before. So I really enjoyed writing this passage of Finding Wild. Wild is full of smells, fresh mint, ancient cave, sun-baked desert, sharp pine, salt sea, every scent begging you to drink it in. Thank you for joining our discussion about cultivating a love of nature in the next generation. To learn more about the guests or titles featured today, or to send us a note, visit thinkscape-podcast.com. Libraries and local bookstores bring us the stories that become part of us, 
use them, explore them, support them. This podcast is edited in Seattle by Cloud Studios. I'm Rachel Paget. You've been listening to Thinkscape, thinking through stories.